Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. We go from Jimmy. If you don't know, if you had not been here in the past couple of weeks, Jimmy, uh, who had a heart attack and didn't even know it and was having heart scans and everything, they wanted to do some tests on him. And there was a three-day period where they did a scan and they said there could be a blockage, there could be a problem, let's check. Several of us prayed. He followed some specific instructions that he felt like God gave him to do, which was listen to particular songs at night. And, and he just followed God. It wasn't that it was a formula, but it was what his heart metaphorically needed, you know. And so as a result, they went back and checked and found a blockage in one of his main arteries, but a new artery had grown around the blockage. Most of y'all have heard that, but isn't that incredible? And I'm telling you, man, you know, you have the Spirit of God within you if you've said yes to Jesus in power to set things right on this planet. I mean, that's kind of what I see the Holy Spirit is partly for, not so that you can go around and be super Christian and out-testimony the last guy that got up, you know, as if there's some competition for testimonies, but so that you can set this planet right, so that you can make this planet look like God's will. Because I'm just telling you, you know, there are people that will vehemently disagree with this concept that God's preordained everything and sickness and who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. You know, that's demonic. If you think the will of God is anything less than the perfect garden and perfection in heaven... If you think that God's will is anything less than that, it's time for you to get to know who God is. I'm just telling you, and we won't back down from that. It's just the truth. It's why Jesus prayed the legal prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? And she just was moved with compassion. Just moved with compassion for her friend and this child and went in. You know, we're the ones that complicate it. We're the ones that get all whiny and want to understand everything with our minds and our intellect and question God, are you really who you say you are? God, are you really this healer, Jesus? Is it really your will to work through us, Jesus? Is it really, you know, something that you want us to be doing? Well, I don't know because I went through this circumstance and my mama went through this and my cousin went through this and see what I did is I learned this and see what God's got to do is got to get you flat on your back so you'll look up. Where's the puke bucket? That's God. That's our God. That's what he wants every time for everybody. It is not his will that any should perish. You never saw Jesus walking around making people sick, telling them that they needed to feel the weight of their sin. Did he? He jacked up the Pharisees for doing that stuff to people. Now, he said, quit your sin. You know, I don't condemn you. Expressed love as the represent, as God, with a woman who should have been killed with rocks because it was in the law. I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You know, people, people get tripped up. It's like, well, you saying you shouldn't? Sin kills. Why would we, you know? We want people to experience God. Amen. And you have that power within you. Why could Bethany do that? Because the spirit of the living God is in her. 
Does she have something that you don't have? Are you sure? Do you feel like you can go lay hands on people and they'll recover? What if the body of Christ made it about acts of love than displays of power? The power is just the manifestation of love. The power that we have been given to walk in is just to say, I need, I need them to know. You know, that's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. God in our stead, in Christ's stead. The, the us in Christ's stead is pleading through us to the world, be reconciled to God. And one of the things that he does is he put his power in you so you could represent him as you are calling people into reconciliation. Amen? It's what we do. We reconcile. And he gave you his power, his spirit. I mean, God shed his blood for you, his life essence. What else does he have to give you? But we are still buying the line of the devil in the garden and saying, did God really say? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. You know, my suspicion would that be would be that Bethany has, you know, found out that God actually loves her and loves people, and just operated out of that with a single mama living in sin. God healed her baby. That, I bet the Pharisees would have wanted to kill Bethany for that. Because, you know, they wanted to kill Jesus for healing somebody. That, that, or they wanted to kill Jesus for healing someone on the Sabbath day. I, I don't see any difference. Bethany went in there and let the power of God work through her to heal that little baby for a mother that's not married. Does that mean sin's okay? No. There's a higher order, and that is love. And love will compel people to step out of sin. It, it's the only way. Amen? The Spirit of God lives within you if you've said yes to Jesus. So what we've been talking about for a few weeks that we've kind of transitioned into now is the baptism of the Spirit. I'm going to get technical with a bunch of Scripture for just a second, or, you know, a bunch of seconds, to make a point. Here's the point. Quit waiting on God. I mean, you know, if you want to go, if you're hungry and you want to go ahead and go, that's the end of the sermon. Quit waiting on God. <laughs> but if you want to hear the scriptural reference, hang, hang on. That's the point. Quit, you know, in some circles, the baptism of the Spirit is so mysticized that it causes people to think that they're waiting for God to give them the Spirit. The very thing that God gives you when you believe, they're waiting to get. Now, you might not have grown up in those circles. You might have grown up in some circles that says, well, the baptism of the Spirit was only for the original 12 apostles and a few other people, and tongues stopped way back then, and if people are praying in tongues, it's of the devil, and they're reprobate, and they've got false doctrine, and let them burn in hell, because God probably didn't elect them from the beginning anyway. I, I can smell that cow cooking. 
barbecue. So the Spirit, right? Baptism of the Spirit. Let's get technical here for a few minutes. Romans 8 9. Let's just start here. Romans 8 9. But you are, now he's just talking about people that have received Christ, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Say, I'm in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the way that you know that you're in the Spirit is if the Spirit is in you. Do you have the Spirit in you? You're in the Spirit. You don't have to, you know, I think of, like, I think of the flash. You may watch the flash, and he vibrates so fast that he can go through walls. It's like Christians think that they've got to do something weird to go into the Spirit dimension. Go find where God's hiding. and you know, Oh, wow, I'm in the Spirit world, you know. No, you're in the Spirit. There, is un, there are unseen dimensions and aspects of that Spirit dimension that you have not yet seen and cannot yet encounter, but you're in it. Amen? There's not anywhere that God is that you don't have access to within Him because you're in Him. So, verse again, Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. This is what makes... There's two different kinds of people on this planet. Those who have the Spirit and those who do not have the Spirit. You can call that being born again, being born from above, being made new, being a new creation in Christ, however you want to say that. Having the Spirit and not having the Spirit is the distinction. You know, having the Spirit is going from an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar, you know? I mean, you can do acoustic guitar, it sounds nice, but you plug that sucker in, you got some rock and roll, you know? Matthew 3.11. So we're going to build something here, okay? Stick with me. You have the Spirit, right? Matthew 3.11. Uh, this is um, John the Baptist speaking. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We talked about last week, that word fire means purify. So when Jesus baptizes you with his spirit, with the Holy Spirit, in his name, however you want to say that, there is a purification that happens. There is a sanctification that happens. In the moment that you believe and you receive that spirit and God gives you the spirit, you are purified or sanctified. That's what the fire does to you. Now, forever... In your spirit, in, your, in the internal aspect of what and who you are, you are washed, clean, purified, sanctified forever. Sanctification is not progressive for the eternal aspect of you. Now, in your mind and in your soul and in your body and in your actions that have not yet been glorified like your spirit has, that sanctification needs to work its way out, right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, so that this body responds to your spirit and it responds to that grace that's within you, that life that's within you, and it starts to change you and affect you, which is what being filled with the spirit is all about, because that's where we're going. We're going to look at the difference between being baptized in the spirit and being filled with the spirit and being born again. And it's, you know, theologians love this kind of stuff. It doesn't really matter. You got Jesus, you got the power. Amen. Where's the catfish? So, those who have the Spirit belong to Him. Those who don't have the Spirit don't belong to Him. Uh, He's baptizing with the Spirit. Let's look at John 7, 39. 
Jesus does some teaching, and then it says this about his teaching. He was, he was speaking about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Okay, so those who believe in him receive the Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is important because you look in the book of Acts when they are first filled with the Spirit and the Spirit falls or however you want to say that. It doesn't happen like that anymore. Nobody from the first time it was given has to wait on the Spirit. Very clearly, he had not yet given the Spirit because he's not yet glorified. Acts 2.38. Are you with me? All right. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In what? I already lost half of you. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Did he say be baptized in water and make sure the guy says in the name of Jesus as he pulls you up out of the water? Or is he saying be baptized in the authority of who Jesus is? This is what he's talking about. Now, you can go do the water baptism to externally express this spiritual truth being baptized in the name of Jesus. But water baptism is, is, is an act of faith. It is not your path to forgiveness. It is not where then God forgives you. Water baptism is not where you get clean. I told those guys I was going to run the Baptists out today, but you know, you guys are, some of y'all are recovering Baptists. So. <laughs> uh, Baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Spirit is important. Jesus said, I must go so that God will send the Spirit. All right, so now, think about it. If you're not familiar, we're getting ready to go into a look in the book of Acts, which is right after, you know, Jesus is, the resurrected Jesus is speaking in the beginning of Acts. You know, some people think that Luke wrote Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Some people think that Luke wrote Acts because it mimics his writing style. It's very detailed. Some people think Apollos wrote it. Some people think uh, Paul wrote it. You know, we don't really know for sure, but it sounds kind of like Luke's. If you read the end of Luke and then you pick up at the beginning of Acts, it, it transitions through, and it's like it's the story continues. So you have Jesus at the beginning of Acts telling them, hang out just for a little while. He'd already been with them for 40 days, right? We know that, that after his resurrection... He'd been with them for uh, yeah, 40 days that he was seen roaming around. He'd been in the grave for three days. That means they waited about seven days to be filled with the Spirit. So you look at where at the end of John here, and John 20, 22, again looking at the idea of Spirit and what Jesus is doing with it. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Keep that in mind. Receive the Holy Spirit. He's telling these guys who are about to be, who are about to be filled. So let me just keep going. Uh, Acts 1.8. But you, now this is uh, still post-resurrection, before he'd been taken into that cloud in heaven. This is Jesus speaking. But you will receive power. Now these are the people that he breathed on to receive the Spirit. He's telling them this, okay? 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But he breathed on them already and said, receive the Spirit. Did they have the Spirit or not? Probably because he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. All right? So he says, you, whom I just breathed on to receive the Spirit, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A little bit further down, Acts 2, 4. And they were all, they, the ones who Jesus breathed on to receive the Spirit, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, go all the way back to Romans 8. You got the Spirit, you belong to Him. These people specifically had been breathed on to receive the Spirit, but it wasn't until later that the Spirit came upon them for that power. So these people who Jesus had breathed on, the Holy Spirit, did the Spirit come to them or did it come out of them upon them? B. Now, most of you are probably already on board with this kind of stuff, but I want to give you the distinction because, remember, what's the point of this message? Quit waiting on God. You're born again? Quit waiting on God. You've got the Spirit. Now, what you might need to experience is being filled with the Spirit, okay? Being filled with the Spirit is not when you get the Spirit. You get that when you get born again. Now, some people will say that when you get filled with the Spirit is when you are baptized in the Spirit. I'm fine with that language. It's okay. But to say that you get born again and then the infilling of the Spirit is a separate event at a later time, which should happen when you get born again, is, it's blasphemous. It, it is, it's speaking against the work of the Holy Spirit is really what it is. So then you realize, okay, so what are we talking about being filled with the Spirit? Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine. You know, if they had Crown Royal back then, he probably would have put that on there too. Don't get legalistic. Well, he didn't say get, don't get drunk on Boone's Farm, you know. That moonshine. He didn't say white lightning, it's just wine. Don't get drunk on alcohol, all right? Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Filled, same word. So what he's talking about contextually in Acts 1 and 2, when he's talking about to receive power and be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit come on you or upon you is when you yield to that inner indwelling Spirit and it becomes an influence upon you. Some of y'all may have never done that. That is exactly what Bethany did when she's moved with compassion and goes in there and lays her hand on that baby and feels heat, and, and he take, she takes her hand off. Now, you may feel heat. You may not feel heat. Quit taking the classes that tell you to look for pain in your knees and heat in your hands to tell you if you got the spirit or not. Well, how am I supposed to get words of knowledge, God? Well, you see, if you get an aching in your little toe, then you... I mean, I'm making fun of that kind of stuff, but I'm telling you, people do that. They run to those classes to try to figure out how to get God out of them. Now, see, here's the part that's hard for me as a preacher. I cannot tell you how to be filled with the Spirit other than you engaging with God at a heart level deep within you and letting yourself be influenced by God and letting you, letting 
that rise up within you. Just like you got to choose to take that bottle of alcohol and glug it down. The word, when Jesus says, receive the Spirit, is the word lambano, and it means take hold of. It's not a passive, sit back and let me do all the work. It's you take hold of this. The reason some of you aren't walking in the power of God, whether that be you hear wisdom in your mind from God as a manifestation of the Spirit, or whether that be a hot hand that heals babies, or whether that be a word of encouragement for someone else, or whether that be you've got pain in your body and you need to speak life because you are not dying at 42, you know what I mean? Whatever that is, you yield to that spirit and let that spirit influence you. See, this is why we speak so much about identity, because if you don't know who you are in Christ, you will not think you're qualified to do that. You will think that you're waiting on God, or maybe it's not God's will anymore, or it happened for that one, but it didn't happen for this one, so it's God's will for that one and not God's will for that one. No, God's will is heaven on earth, period. Amen? We carry the gospel that prepares people's hearts to believe that, and then we show them the power to receive that, for them to walk in it. There's, you know, there, and so I've had people ask me, well, what do you think about what so-and-so preaches? And so-and-so might be one of the most popular New Covenant preachers on the planet that when he does his meetings, gets people born again, and then prays for them to receive the Spirit. And I kind of get what he's doing, but to me it's, a, it's an improper application. Now, the, most of you probably know who I'm talking about, if you know what I'm talking about. I saw a live Q&A session where he was asked specifically, uh, why do you do it that way? Is being baptized in the Spirit a separate event? And I'm, I promise you, this is what he said. He said, you know, this question came along and I never really thought about it, so I, never, I don't really know. Now, that doesn't show his ignorance. It just, you know, he's just never taken the time to really define it. And that's fine. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't really matter if you know this, but what you do need to know is quit waiting on God because you have the spirit of the living God within you. Whether that's when you are baptized in the spirit or whether baptism in the spirit is when you choose to yield to that filling or that influence or that power, that exousia to rise up within you and rest upon you. See, in the old covenant, when God anointed a prophet to go do a job, the Spirit of God would manifest, rest on that person, and direct and guide and lead that person to fulfill that particular calling in that moment, and then the Spirit of God would lift. The Spirit of God will not lift off of a new covenant believer. The Spirit, you might grieve the Spirit of God and harden your heart, and the Spirit of God is limited to just sit within you, hoping that you'll let him out. But he's not leaving you. You're not leaking him. You know what I mean? You don't need a fresh touch to get more of the Spirit. God shed his blood for you his very life essence, which is his spirit. The life is in the blood. What more does he have to give you? He gave you his life. What else does he have to give you? Quit waiting on God. You know, where we got the name for this church, 
forward. They were taught, you know, God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, and he's standing in front of this uh, sea, and he's got the staff in his hand, and he's already seen incredible miracles, and he talks to God, God, we're going to die. And God basically says, what are you crying to me for? Use the staff that's in your hand and go. You quit crying to God, use the Spirit of God that's in you, and go. Are you hearing me? Well, how do I get it to work? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could articulate that as clearly as I articulate the other scriptural reference behind it, like the, the intellectual understanding that we can gather. But what you got to do is you got to take all of those, you know, you got to take all of those materials and paint that picture in your own heart. You've got to be the artist of your relationship with God. You have to be the one that takes, the, takes what Jesus did for you seriously. You can't just hear bad news and then sit there and stare out the window and plan a funeral and wait for it to get bad. Engage God in your heart. Believe him. Trust him. Sometimes it doesn't work out. It's not because God didn't fix it. But you have to, you got to, that's, that's the work of believing. The labor that you do to enter into the rest is the work of believing deep within you. You know, so like with Jimmy, when Jimmy called, uh, wanted to pray, and lots of people that I've prayed for, what I do is I just stop I just become aware of Christ within me. I become aware of the will of God and what you, just like what Bethany was talking, this is your will, God. This is what you want. And, and, and it's just, I just put my mind on this Jesus praying. Jesus has given us his power. And he said, go. I will confirm my word with miracle signs and wonders following. Amen. Go speak the word. Lay hands on them. That power is in you. You know, we, and, and we don't have to make it weird. Why do we got to make it weird where it's about, you know, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all charismatics that came out of that charismatic background. Get a little freaky sometimes. And it's about that, right? And I'm telling you, most of the denominations that exist within Christianity exist because someone tried to believe God for something and it didn't work, or they got excited to a certain point, and they stopped right there, here's our denomination right here. We're the denomination that still has miracles. We're the denomination that doesn't have miracles. We're the denomination that whatever, you know. We're all delineated around what we think God doesn't do anymore. That's like the context of our denominations. Really. Very few argue on, the, on Christ alone as your salvation. Very few argue on the resurrection of Christ. If they do, they're probably a cult. I watched this documentary last night on Carlton Pearson called Come Sunday. And, you know, you see some clues. If you don't know, Carlton Pearson is basically, a, I guess what they call a Unitarian, a Unitarian, a, uni, a Christocentric Universalist. Somebody, you know, would say, Jesus died to save everybody, therefore everybody's already saved, whether they believe it or not. Eh, wrong. You either have the Spirit or you don't have the Spirit. The way you get the Spirit is you believe. You don't believe, you experience the second death at the resurrection. The second death is either eternal conscious torment 
or it's the second death and you don't exist forever because you have not received the eternal gift of life. I probably lean one direction, just being honest with you. But I don't know that. But it's not open-ended where you can get saved after you've been hanging out in Hades for a while or, you know, waiting for the judgment to go cast into the lake of fire. Man, I'm getting really... <laughs> Woo! Those are important questions, though. They really are. They're important questions to people. But you have the Spirit. Now, I just want to touch on this because um, it, it's a question. People will bring this up. Well, what about this? All right, let's deal with this. Eight, Acts 8.14. Ready? All right. <clears throat> when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God... They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. See, this is where it's interesting because this talks about that they would receive the Spirit and come upon them, which leads me to believe that they were willing to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, but they had not yet believed in their heart. Or they believed, but they had not yet let the Spirit come upon them. But if you look at all the other passages and you look at this one isolated story, some people will come to the conclusion because of this idea, this story here, that you can be born again without the Spirit. As if the baptism of the Spirit is when you get the Spirit. Are you with me? If you're born again, you got the Spirit in full. It's not like you get a baby spirit and then you get born again and you get the adult spirit when you get baptized in the Spirit. You got the Spirit, there's one Spirit. Amen? And he, he makes it clear there's one Spirit, one Spirit, one Spirit over in uh, Ephesians and Philippians where he's talking about the gifts and all that. Let me just read this again. When the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive, and that what's that word, lambano, lay hold of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, can you see where that'd be confusing? And you see where people would take that and say, okay, well, they've been baptized in the name of Jesus. You said well, that's when people get born again. Which one is it? I'll admit, that's a little bit confusing. But what we do know is when you believe on him, you receive the Spirit. And it's your choice whether or not to be filled with the Spirit or yielded to the Spirit. And when you yield to the Spirit, it can manifest as fruit, love, joy, peace, Righteousness, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, those things. It can yield as that when you are filled. If you need patience, be filled with the Spirit. Or it can exercise as charisma, a gift in action, a, a word of knowledge, a prophecy, a laying on of hands and a healing, a vision, things like that. That's charisma in action. So the Holy Spirit does good, does you good in you but he does other people good through you when you let yourself be filled with him. I can tell you a story. I was, my plans got diverted one day, and, and I'm like, 
you know, I, don't, I can't say that I heard God say. It was just, nope, need to change a plan, go do this. Get there, and it's like exactly what needed to happen. And it's like, didn't even think about it. And it's not like because I'm so spiritual that I just follow God, you know. It's like, no, I'm just, I just don't worry about whether I'm hearing God or not. I just move on what I feel like is a natural part of me to follow. And it, I've learned to just trust that. And usually it's God. And it just happens. And then, and then you look back and you're like, whoa, that was, that was pretty profound, God. I, I didn't even know I was doing that, you know. That's what following God looks like. When you hear God, it should mostly sound like your own thought because you are one with him and you just act and move on it. I promise you, you hear God better than you think that you do. You follow God every day, but you just don't even know it. We have compartmentalized what it looks like and sounds like to hear God because of churchianity and tradition, and this guy's got it working, so let's go to his seminar and listen to the way that he does it, versus, no, you're a child of God. You become so enamored with his love for you that it changes you, and you end up just following him natu naturally, according to your nature. That's my desire for you, that I hammer you every week so hard <laughs> that it just gets in you who you are. Because I know what that's going to do. You're going to follow him. You're going to do things like going to, going to hospitals and healing babies. You just do it. You don't even think about it. You don't even worry about the outcome. You just do it. And you trust that God confirms his word. Let's look at that last passage. This is just the final idea in this. About the one God gives Spirit. For who whom God has sent speaks the words of God. God gives not the Spirit by measure. Now, if you had a King James Bible, you would see that unto him is, is in italics, which is a translation key to you as the reader to say, this wasn't in the original documents that we translated this English version of an original text from, but we as the translators added it because it makes sense to us for it to be there, but it wasn't there in the original language. What it should say is God gives, the, God gives not the Spirit by measure. You don't get a little measure. Now, there's another verse that says to one, he gives a measure of this and measure it. He gives the Spirit but he then will, he might lead your family to operate more in the gift of prophecy. He might lead your family to operate more in the gift of generosity. You know, you might be the man of patience that teaches the body of Christ, whatever it is. God might call those things out, but you all got the same spirit, got the same anointing, which is Christ in you. Amen? NIV says, God who gives a spirit without limit, limitless. You have a limitless flow of the life of God in you because Christ is in you to flow out of you so that you would experience the blessing of the true children of Abraham because that's who you are by faith. God promised these ridiculous blessings to Abraham. I mean, that would make a $75 million jet look like peanuts. People get so twisted about that kind of stuff. 
I mean, I get that, you know, some of those guys, whatever their motives, I'm not their judge, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you what, if Abraham lived today and was preaching, man, they would not like the prosperity that that boy walked in. <laughs> what do you need all those cows for, Abraham? What do you need all that gold for, Abraham? Would God have gold? I got to know God gave it to me. You ask him. You have the Spirit of God within you to walk in power. It's not so that you can judge yourself if you're not seeing miracles. It's so that when you are moved with compassion and love towards someone, you have an extra boost of power to do something about their situation. Amen? That's why we have to tend the garden of our heart and not let uh, condemnation and sin remain in there. Because you need to keep an open, clear channel to let the Spirit of God flow through you. Most of us are not experiencing blessing and power because our hearts are so hard because we're either condemned by sin or we have all this religious tradition within us and we've limited God and we've constricted that flow working through us. But like we talked about that power of electricity, you have unhindered infinite electricity it just destroys. Those power lines that are bringing power into this building, if it wasn't stepped down through that transformer and relegated to 110 volts for those light bulbs to work, full power, boom! You know, so it's kind of like God gave you a governor on purpose, and it's your heart, but we limit too much. We usually limit because of what we think God thinks of us because of our behavior. And that's why it's so important to understand that grace empowers you beyond the lure of sin so that you can stay out of it because you don't need to be carrying around all that guilt and condemnation. It's stopping you from healing babies. It's going to be hard for you to let flow through you what you don't think you deserve. Do you think that that family deserves that, a healed and healthy baby? I mean, what are the things that are, you're limiting in your life where you're not letting God do through you because you don't feel or you don't know or, you know? Quit waiting on God, on God. Quit waiting for him to show up and give you the answer. He's given it to you. It's it's. It's in seed form in Jesus, and as you tend that garden of that relationship in Jesus, it will grow. It will grow. Jesus is made unto you wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. Christ in you is everything. Let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Get out of the way. Meditate on his finished work. Got a, you've got an issue in your life that just kind of creeps, keeps creeping back up. Do something where you see Jesus as victorious over that thing and you start to imagine in your heart how he must feel when he encounters, when Jesus encounters the opportunity to be angry or when Jesus encounters the opportunity of whatever your sin is. How does he respond to it? See that, feel it, and then let it become part of you so that it, it is your identity of how you're going to respond to it. And it becomes real for you because the power is in you. 
Amen? Because, you know, where we're going next week, talking about uh, miracles and prophecy and words of knowledge and tongues and all of that kind of stuff, you know, you need the Spirit because the body of Christ or the world is sitting out there saying, you know, we need, we need something thinking that, the, that legislation is going to fix the problem. I mean, we need people in there guiding and steering that mechanism toward God, but it's not the mechanism. Amen? Quit waiting. Quit waiting. I hope, I hope that I haunt you this week. Quit waiting. Or if you don't want me in your head, listen to God talking to Moses. What are you crying to me for? Go. So when, you, when it gets hard, life, life is going to happen to you. In about 30 minutes, life is going to happen. You have a choice. The choice that you should make is be filled with the Spirit. In other words, let that Spirit come upon you. Let that Spirit rise up within you. How Whatever you do to connect with that reality, whether it be thinking about the resurrection or thinking about what you were delivered from or your love for someone. I mean, sometimes I'm sitting there and, you know, in my backyard or wherever I am and I'm looking at nature and, man, I'm like, it just, tongues just rises up out of me. It's just like, oh, man, I can't help but just feel you, God. Man, what if it was like that the next time, whatever it is that causes you to stumble, raised its head, and instead of run, you running that carnal path, you ran that life path and spoke life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Be filled with the Spirit. Quit sitting there and letting yourself get depressed. You've got power in you to conquer that depression. Jesus says, don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let your mind go there. Don't let whatever you're watching on TV or hearing from the doctor determine your internal reality. You choose your internal reality. Yield to that spirit. Find a passage related to that area of life and let that be your inner reality. Because it will, that's a seed. What you're doing is you're planting that seed. And feel it and believe it and trust it. Especially if it's paid for in the blood of Jesus. And let it grow. Don't let your heart be afraid. Amen? Can you see that? Did you go, did you jump ahead a little bit, maybe see a part of your life that you're going to do that with? That's your homework. Do that tonight. Do that in the morning. You know, I think I mentioned last week or some point, wake up in the morning and just acknowledge God. Wake up and just be thankful that you belong to him, that you have his spirit. That's going to be your homework this week. Going to bed and waking up every night and morning, just be aware, I have his spirit. I have his spirit. I have his spirit. The spirit of the living God is within me. And that spirit is pure. That spirit is power. And you think about what is that spirit. That spirit is love. That spirit is gentle. That spirit is powerful. That spirit is wise. That spirit within me 
knows all and is not concerned and is not afraid and is not scared. It's not confused. That spirit within me, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I know what to do. You know? It's like, oh, I'm not doing that today. You know, it just turns into something as a fruit. Cultivate it because he's in you. Amen? Praise God. We just yield to you, Holy Spirit. In this moment, we're choosing to be filled by you under your influence. Letting your spirit come upon us. Whether we feel something or not, it's true. If you're in this room and you've not said yes to him or watching, say yes. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe that I'm safe in you and you've given me your spirit. In this moment right now, if you never have before, just know that you're receiving this spirit and go ahead and yield to that spirit. Thank you, Father, for that spirit. We give you all the glory. Amen, amen. And, and I pray that it's real. I pray that it's real for you. I pray that it's not just emotional. I pray that it's not just temporary. I pray that it's real every day for you, that this becomes a lifestyle. Amen? And next week, we're going into, you know, talking about tongues and stuff like that. If you have the spirit, that's...